0: What's up listeners, welcome to another episode of 40 going on 18, the podcast
1: where three longtime friends in their forties talk about anything and everything today, we're going to talk about what happiness means. What is it? And are we actually happy? Let's go. So guys, how's everybody doing tonight?
2: I am phenomenal.
1: Excellent. Perfect. So today's topic is a little bit i guess more philosophical similar to some of our previous topics in the past what is happiness Mm -hmm. now it seems like a little bit of an odd question i don't think we actually ask each other this question really that often i would say Uh, no exactly and and how do we actually define what happiness is and and is one person's happiness different than another person happiness mm-hmm. and you know, what's the point of it and does it actually make a difference in our everyday lives? Mm-hmm. So to kind of set the tone, let's try to define what happiness is. And you know, I did a lot of Googling to kind of get a different types of opinions on what happiness may be. And some scientists consider happiness to be too broad and too vague to even you know, get into. So I decided to look up the Oxford English Dictionary's definition of happiness. Sure. And cool. the way and the way they state it is the state of being happy. <laughs>
2: Jeez. That right. sounds like a cop out, right? Like now.
1: come on. So you got to dig a little bit further and then you have to look up happy. So then looking up happy, they basically tell you it's the feeling or showing pleasure or contentment. Hmm. So what do you guys think? Like generally what do you think happiness is? And let's get into it a little bit.
0: Well, first of all, reading the Merriam Webster dictionary makes me happier, I think, than the Oxford <laughs> English dictionary. <laughs> You're so I, dictionaryist. Jeez. Gatekeeper <laughs> <I>, of dictionaries. <laughs> I think happiness is yeah, it sounds like a vague question because like when we see each other, we say, Hey, how are you doing? What's up? It's never, yo friend, you happy? Not happy? Like it's it's more of an open an open ended greeting and if happiness is is an emotion is it i struggle with thinking of whether this is an internal kind of state or is it like an exogenous like an external stimuli that makes you happy it could be both but when i was thinking about this question i thought to myself "Hmm, what if i was a 10 year old and I got my original, you know, the original Nintendo Mm. in our, you know, as we discussed in our previous podcast, I'd be extremely happy. I'd be stoked (laughs) for weeks, you know, (laughs) and this is clearly an externally driven happiness, but is that, is that the same as being internally happy for weeks? So I actually don't know. I mean, if it's like, it's like a chemical, like I remember going to this uh, museum of food and they said, you know what? MSG is a, is, a, is a chemical and it, mm. it could be derived from all sorts of other products and they said they even said sugar sugar could be derived from i think sawdust like there's a certain oh. chemical there <laughs> uh, but like so if you believe in chemistry a chemical is a chemical it doesn't matter where it comes from if it's edible it's edible so is happiness kind of I guess is it fungible can you switch it around depending on where where you get it from so i don't know still still open-ended question for me
2: Hmm. i think from my perspective when i speak about happiness it tends to be an internal thing right so i usually put happiness as a range from like pleasure on one end uh, to joy on the other right, and and a whole bunch of different variants, like kind of shades of gray in between, where I, I'm not sure if uh, like th- that external indicator that that could be pleasure, right? Like you, you take that, uh, that that Nintendo, you take that uh, great meal, or or that drug, or whatever it is, and uh, you you are pl- happy and and you feel that pleasure for for a while, but it goes away right and and then you have this more longer lasting one that that is more akin to joy which is a, kind of like that that longer that that framework happiness that sort of thing where it is uh kind of sustains for longer periods of time so that's what 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 i tend to think and and there are chemicals associated with happiness so they have like the the the, the dopamines and the serotonins and the uh and, and all those sort of things that have well depending on the type of happiness that you're thinking about uh it, there there is some kind of chemistry to it so uh, could you inject someone with, with happiness? In theory, if you had concentrated like dopamine, if you could kind of isolate that and, and shoot into someone's arm or brain, I don't know what that would do to someone, but uh, I, I think you could potentially do that. And uh, it, it is it is that feeling, but it's something uh, for, from from my perspective that really, if you're talking about kind of that true sense of happiness, it, it'll be an internal thing. Uh, and And it's kind of, I think some of the words are kind of contentment, uh, joy, bliss. could uh, can be another version of it as well, um, to talk about uh, different states of happiness.
1: Yeah, and and for me, I think happiness. I agree with with Lukey. Is that it's a little bit more fleeting than something like joy and contentment. And happiness, to me, there is a lot of things. You know, if I examine myself internally, what makes me happy is it personal accomplishment or completing a goal things like that I think makes me happy versus you know materialistic things for example where if I buy something new I don't know that necessarily makes me happy but then it might create happiness for a lot of people where whether it's a new toy a new car a new house that actually gives them that happiness whereas for me I don't care as much about it so it really is how you internally to find what makes you happy mm-hmm. and, it, and it's interesting because it brings up a, a interesting story from you know back in uh, school where in, when, during our business school class we had the opportunity to have lunch and spend an afternoon with uh, Warren Buffett in omaha cool, cool. So, that, so that was quite, that was quite an unforgettable experience, and one of the questions that one of the students asked was, what is the secret to happiness? And the way that Ward explained or, or said what his uh, secret was, he said, the secret to happiness is to marry someone or find a partner with low expectations. <laughs> now, now I'm sure that's very tongue in cheek and he's he's just making a joke. But I guess if you think about it, in general, if someone doesn't really have high expectations in life, whether it's accomplishing things or doing certain things or being certain things that you could potentially reach a very consistent level of happiness and contentment Mm -hmm. because then, you know, everything kind of makes them happy because nothing really affects them. Right. Because everything
2: exceeds expectations, right?
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) But he said to marry somebody with expectations, (laughs) not necessarily you. And I think that's fair what that might mean is this person might still be driven, but may have low expectations of others or rather the partner. And so that might be, that might be uh, possible. That reminds me of the saying, you know, want what you have. And, and I think that i found a lot of, a lot of sense and, and a source of calmingness by thinking about that because Hey, I think I can reorient my mind and my attitude to to believe that. It yeah.
2: reminds me of the quote, uh, "Happy wife, happy life." And uh, yeah. <laughs> essentially, if your wife, your your spouse, your partner, whatever, has low expectations, well, that means you'll be happy, right? So that, that <laughs> and could and, be and dece- less
1: pressure, and less pressure less on pressure. you to to fulfill some kind of I don't know, whatever it is that they expect <laughs> of you. So, so this kind of brings us to you know what gives us that longevity and happiness. And I think one of the articles that we had been discussing prior to our podcast is the Harvard study on happiness, which is fairly famous. And I think lots of lots of folks out there have kind of heard about this study. And for those that haven't, the study basically focused on, I think, in general, men. So it wasn't fully women or, or, or other type of genders, but basically men in different types of uh, societal, classes or whatever you want to call it and they track them over a very fairly long period of time and then they would consistently survey them to ask them what makes them happy and to keep a long story short basically the result was that close relationships more than money or fame are what Mm -hmm. kept people happy throughout their lives that those ties the societal ties and the relationship ties protect people from life's discontents help to delay mental and physical decline and also better predictors of long and happy lives on a social class than social class IQ or even genes. And one of the suggestions coming out of this is staying connected with close relationships and also knowing when to let go and not sweat the small stuff. So certainly a very compelling study. So I'd love to hear you guys' uh, thoughts on that.
0: I guess the first thing that I'm reminded of is, well, does it matter if you're introverted or extroverted? It sounds like that cohort probably had better both, right? Yet they found that relationships and staying connected was a big, big deal. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point, Kurt, because I actually thought about this, whether introverted people would actually require all this close relationships. And I think if we kind of look at what an introvert is, it's they derive their energy from being alone but well
2: actually no it's more that they uh, derive energy from a smaller group of people oftentimes right. alone where oftentimes actually alone. people uh who are introverts can have like one or two really close friends and that's right it, like no right. other friends so it doesn't mean that you're a- always alone yeah uh, it's just oftentimes in a room of me and another person uh, so i'm an, an introvert so me and one person i'm great mm-hmm. me and two people i'm Okay, (laughs) three people. I'm all all right, and then as you add more and more, it it, Mm. I I shut down a little bit more, and I have to use my other skills to kind of uh, overcome them. So, introverts can have very close relationships, but generally with a small number of people at and and a small number at any given time as well.
1: Yeah. So I think the relationship aspect probably still stays true. It does uh, that they do need that whether it's a partner, whether it's family, whether it's children. I think. Those relationships will longer term contribute to their overall happiness,
2: yeah, and I think it makes sense I mean from my understanding at least uh, the research that i 've done like through it 's an evolutionary thing right so humans are, are were tribal way back when right they, they had to have uh, the, the group of people in order to survive their tribe their their people, and uh, if if you were on your own it basically meant a uh, certain death, right? Because uh, a single human out in the wilderness couldn't necessarily survive. So you needed those uh, close relationships. So it makes sense that uh, having those close relationships would be kind of that, that pleasure-seeking, that happiness-seeking uh, area where um, most people are driven to, to seek out pleasure and avoid pain, right? So uh, it, it makes sense that it, it, we would want to be happy and relationships could be a, a key to that.
0: What do you guys think about the so-called you know hedonic treadmill or hedonic adaptation where you know people's you know tendency is to return to a a level of happiness despite what life throws at them up or down you know the famous example is a person who wins a lottery gets very very high sky high happy but after a year kind of gets back down to that person's you know, previous level of happiness. And likewise, if, if they get into an accident, once that sort of habituation period occurs, they sort of get back up to that level of happiness. And, and, and you know, because Fran, you brought up this, this um, idea that you derive a lot of contentment and satisfaction from, from a work done well or a project that was exciting that, that you've, you've, you've achieved. Is it, I mean, if you did the same project, that probably would not be very exciting or very fulfilling, but mm-hmm. you would be looking for something maybe different. Is it the same with friends? I mean, if you've been friends with people for 10, 20 years, but maybe things don't necessarily change. I mean, we have a a great sort of uh, relationship here because we, we kind of evolve ourselves and we bring that back into the, the the fray. So we all learn from each other. But what if you have, you know, friends who just, I don't want to say stagnate, but you really mm-hmm can't progress (laughs) you can't really progress conversations
1: yeah that's the thing i think i think it's possible and very often you outgrow your friends Mm. and i would be guilty of cutting people and i've done that throughout kind of my adult life where i feel like if i'm at a point where the friendship are no longer meaningful or creating positive value for either side then I don't really see any reason to continue the friendship and then just move on. I don't think that we should be tied to our existing circle of friends. I think you can always make new friends that, at different stages in life that perhaps fit you more because you have grown to a different level or you have moved to a different level. Not necessarily grow, you could have moved laterally to a different spectrum where a different set of friends or more like-mindedness, um, you know, fit into that, that boundary. Um, so I've been very guilty of, you know, cutting off a lot of people uh, for various reasons. And I don't necessarily regret any of that. <laughs> and the friends that I do have kept a long history with like you guys and feel the other guys, there's a reason why, you know, we still keep that. There There is that history, but at the same time, I feel like there's that stability and comfort that goes with uh, having a close group of friends that have kind of gone through some critical times of our lives together. Yeah, and so I making, don't think it, it's yeah.
2: a one size fits all for everybody too, where there's probably people who uh, thrive on that, Comfort, like let's do the same thing that we did last month, as we did last month, as we did decades earlier, right? And there's some people who thrive and love that. There's others are saying, "Dude, we're going to the same place again. Like, what? <laughs> WTF? Why can't we do something different?" And then there's everybody in the middle, where maybe it's a eighty twenty, a fifty fifty, or or. or whatever sort of uh, mix. And uh, I think you relate more when uh, people kind of share that same uh, sentiment, right? Because if you're stuck in a group of friends where all they want to do is the same thing over and over again, then you'll go stir crazy and want to seek out Uh, different areas of variety and stuff of that. And if you're the type of person that loves kind of that comfort of doing the same thing and someone's always trying to introduce something new, then you're like like, freaking out every time. So I think with the group of friends that you hopefully decide to keep, they they match a, a lot in terms of like uh, that kind of preference from, from your, from, uh, whatever you have. And, and, uh, I think that helps with, with your own personal happiness. That helps with the closeness of the relationships. And I, I guess going back to your, your question on kind of the, uh, hedonic adaptation, like, yeah, I, I would imagine that you would a- a- adapt. So like someone in the group, they s- decide to do some crazy things and, and you get uncomfortable, but you'll probably revert back to the, the, the comfort and the familiarity of what you do if that's your ways. Um, But there's probably opportunities to to trigger yourself and say, you know what, maybe I do want to keep on trying all these new things as well. So um, yeah, just my thoughts.
1: Yeah. And I guess everybody probably has some sort of baseline of happiness that they somehow go back to. Mm -hmm. So even with the the lottery example that you came up with, like, yeah, you know, you get that initial high, but then you realize that with all this money, you try a lot of new things potentially with that money. But then after trying all of those new things and doing all those all of those new things, do you now still revert back to where you were before in that previous state where you're like, Okay, well, I've tried all that now. Am I back to who I was? Really? Like, what's yes. the big deal? Yeah, yeah, like what's the big yeah. deal? And that's highly possible. And I think I kind of go through this on a daily basis because I think my emotions, whether it's happiness or the opposite end of the spectrum, it doesn't really fluctuate that much. I'm always kind of in this baseline where things that make me happy will move me up the baseline a little bit, but then I revert pretty quickly back to my baseline and things that upset me would upset me. But once that issue is resolved or gone, I immediately rebound back to my baseline. So maybe some people have a much wider spectrum and some people have a smaller ones so that they're able to kind of maintain that steady state i don't know if there's a way to even you know have someone be a little bit more stable with their baseline or tips to make sure that happens so you're not swinging too wildly
2: well i think what i I read a study where like a third of your happiness is kind of genetically predisposed right where where some people are just naturally more bubbly than others so so let's pretend it's it's a number from like one to three point three right so if we went out of ten then a third of it is kind of your environment, and third of it is is yourself, right? Now those last two, that the last kind of uh, six point six, is uh, is is malleable and can change, right? The other one, like if you're naturally on the bubbly side, you'll be whatever a, a three out of three for the most part, uh, whereas someone might be a, a, a zero point five out of three, <laughs> right? That sort of thing. So that I, I from. At least the research that I've seen, you, you can't really change. But that doesn't mean that other six point five plus a five point uh, plus a point five can't make you at like a seven out of ten overall, right? So, assuming that folks were following my math and, and whether or not that made sense as an analogy, but I, I do believe that there is a set point. But I do believe
0: there's ways to to influence it uh, as well. So, so it's kind of both. It's funny you mentioned that research because I quickly did some. Some, uh, some googling as well, but uh, I, I came up with something that says fifty percent is due to genetics, ten percent okay. due to <laughs> wow. your circumstance, okay. and forty percent is within your control. I mean, I don't know who has the most recent research, so but it, but basically, it's either thirty percent or fifty percent are genetics, right? I mean, sure. it's, that's a lot. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, <laughs> maybe if you're able to go up and down, you're able to kind of modulate back to your baseline because it's partly genetics. So. Imagine that's like fifty percent is not within your realm of immediate control. It's just part of who you are. I mean, that's kinda you know, <laughs> if you're not if you're not in that happy, <laughs> happy go lucky
1: type gene pool, I mean, I don't know, man. That's I mean, that sounds like a to be honest, I feel like that sounds like a pretty good number considering how much of who we are is really defined by genetics, right? And whether it 's our personality, whether it 's introvertedness over extrovertedness, whether it 's happiness being able to modulate our happiness or not, I think fifty percent is probably about right, and but the other fifty percent, the part of it which maybe we have some level of control over, is probably something that we should really focus on and definitely right that kind of brings me to kind of the next point of discussion: How do we separate? happiness which tends to be more fleeting and more short-term as we mentioned earlier versus something like joy or even contentment which according to these dictionary um, definitions are a longer stronger more sustainable states of feeling i guess content so my question for you guys is how do you feel between experiences that make you happy and those experiences that give you joy or contentment? And do you have examples of situations in your life where you feel like you can easily differentiate between happiness, joy, and or
0: contentment? I'll maybe answer this in a roundabout way or, or kind of a tangential way by giving an example of group of alumni, you know, university alumni cohorts, where within the first five to 10 years of a, a reunion, everybody comes back, they say hi, and they're kind of checking each other out trying to see where where that person is uh, you know relative to where where i have uh I have achieved. But then you fast forward like twenty years or fifteen years when they've had you know mostly have have families and kids, things are different. they're a lot more chill. It's just you know these people have gone through different experiences and clearly have maybe empathized through life's ups and downs more. and by the time you're you know a twenty year reunion you are just completely just happy to see each other <laughs> and and i think to me my, my, my understanding there is my, or my observation is it's it's your experiential um uh, it's it's your experience that that allows you to de- develop a better sense of what is truly you know contentment or joy or happiness like like i said my 10 year old self i'd be giddy as heck to get that nintendo i'd be playing you know for, for 10 hours a day or if i could but now if I got the same thing, it just wouldn't be the same. So I think I don't think my 10-year-old self knew what contentment was, you know, in all honesty. So I would say you've got to experience life so that you'll have more memories and be able to to have guideposts to tell you where you should put an event or a feeling relative to your entire history.
2: Yeah, I think from my perspective, I mean if we if we're talking about what if you can identify the difference between kind of that short lived uh happiness in terms of like like pleasure versus a longer term uh happiness in terms of like joy and and all that sort of stuff, and maybe the the middle state of contentment or however we want to define it is um i i, I think it's just it's just time right it, it, it's a matter of you experience it and and probably in the moment both of them feel pretty much pretty similar right. But then uh, a minute from now, five minutes an hour a day, a week, a month from now like if if you don't feel that same kind of level of of, of joy contentment, whatever, then it's just kind of a a, a flash of of pleasure that, that that you had right so pleasure to me is just something that happens in in kind of uh, uh, flashes right like a couple of seconds, a couple of minutes, that sort of thing, whereas like like joy it, it's if, if I were to uh, put an example right. You, you go and travel, and you have a, a really nice meal, right? It tastes delicious. And, and that brings you moments of, of joy, right? But then you might uh, be on that same trip and, and just uh, reminisce because there's an amazing view, and it's kind of like awe-inspiring, and it kind of brings you joy to be probably to be with someone at, at that moment, because um, I can probably picture a, a bunch of times with like on, on the honeymoon or different vacations and stuff like that, where I think that that was uh, joy more than more than pleasure, because I could always revisit that and kind of have that feeling, whereas i don 't really remember how that tasted. <laughs> it probably <laughs> tasted good, and i 'm pretty sure I was happy and it was pleasurable at that time but but going there i don 't know if I could truly relive it so i don't know that those are the thoughts that came to my mind when you we, when we chatted about that
1: so I think for me, happiness is fairly easy because I do feel like i I reach different points of happiness throughout whether it's the day the week months and years and i can easily identify when those emotions happen like for example milestones that we hit when we were younger like graduating from high school university grad school like all those graduation they all signify your hard work paying off so that feeling of happiness is fairly i would say obvious to me because those are milestones that we all kind of most of us try to check off in life and then you know finding for example a partner I'm sure brings joy and possibly contentment given that now you feel like that you know someone who understands you someone that loves you someone that you love so I feel like I can identify those emotions fairly easily with people I think that joy and contentment largely comes from relationships and happiness tends to come from hitting goals or personal milestones and then beyond that though I don't know if there's that utmost level of contentment that I would feel I feel like to me in my mind contentment is like I'm just sitting there kind of smiling to myself <laughs> and and feeling content for what I've done in my life and I feel like that emotion will not happen until I'm on my deathbed really <laughs> I, I, th- that
0: that <laughs> I think the word contentment is, is uh I can identify oh, with yeah? it, and it's okay. like like okay guys let's let's do some math here right let's do some set theory like how would you put you know happiness joy contentment and pleasure like where do they go like if if you did a set like, like a Venn diagram sort of, yeah it's contentment the biggest all encompassing and sort of happiness is like kind of that, the one that's that's uh, the most internal.
2: I think happiness is the the broadest one because it's so yeah, that it, that it encompasses and it means all of these things potentially yeah. depending mm. on that right. Whereas uh, pleasure might sit over on on this side of happiness, whereas contentment there, like can you have pleasure and contentment at the same time? Mm. Maybe, Maybe, right? Like I I, I treat contentment a, a little bit more like. Like when you feel at at peace, that sort of thing, because uh, you probably had it, uh, Mr. Camper, who you're in the wilderness, and I and, love that, yeah. <laughs> that, and, and you just feel like 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 peace, awe, bliss, whatever. You're you're one with nature and all that stuff. That that is a version of joy, probably contentment, that sort of thing. So th- there's probably overlap with all those words. Is it pleasure? I I don't. I don't know if that's pleasure like I probably yeah. would put it pleasure in is
1: probably pleasure. something something a little bit on the outskirts of of this. Yeah. Pleasure could be a a, a byproduct of <laughs> of happiness or joy contentment. Yeah. But to me co- to me contentment I feel like it's still the hardest to obtain because happiness can happen, joy can happen. I mean, I'm sure with you guys like live events where it's like the birth of your first child, I'm sure that brings you joy and seeing them take their first step and all that all that stuff is probably joyful. But for me, contentment, I don't know if I can ever really hit that part because I feel like it's something that I would have to just look back at my life and feel truly content about it.
2: Well, I guess it depends on how you define that word contentment again, because when I well initially kind of heard the word content, it's just like, ah, I'm okay. I'm content. I'm good, <laughs> right? That doesn't sound like a, like a high level of happiness to me, But but I can see it in one way where it's more like, like I'm, I'm, am at peace, right? I, I, I feel yeah. a sense of like bliss and stuff. So I think that's, and maybe it, it's, it's just picking the right, uh, like terminology for for it, where, uh, your contentment is my bliss or whatever, right? And, and, uh, yeah. So, so, so really kind of nailing it down, but yeah. The,
1: so, so what I looked up was it says the main difference between happiness and contentment is that while happiness Denotes an emotional state, which is more short-term. Contentment apparently refers to a state that is long-term, and mm-hmm. it's a state of being satisfied. Mm. Okay. And and I think using that definition, I feel like I would not be satisfied. And <laughs> so mm. I'm on my deathbed when I look back at my life, because I, I I'm just at a point where I I don't feel like I'm ever going to be satisfied because we still have so many things we want to do, so many things we want to accomplish, so many things we want to experience that I am. Not going to be able to hit that state until I die. Did your Uh, uh,
0: bucket list just grow like three (laughs) X? So,
1: so I have a different
2: perspective, and thinking like, can you be satisfied yet still want more, right? And and so you know what that
1: contradicts the 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 definition of satisfied, wouldn't it?
2: Well, not necessarily because (laughs) I've had enough. So, so there's one. So when you eat and you're you've had enough, you're satisfied, right? But at Mm -hmm. some point, you can say, you know what, I, I wouldn't mind a little bit more of that right? I wouldn't mind the next meal, right? So it doesn't mean that I have to have it right now, right? But it means like tomorrow or next week, next year, uh, I'd love another piece of steak or the dessert or whatever it is, right? So I I don't know, maybe it's just mincing words, but it's like at that point, I would be satisfied, but I I still wouldn't mind more uh, of of something else, something different, right? Uh, So I don't know, maybe that's, is different than than what you're talking about, or? Yeah, I mean, we're I, I not. think
0: I think Fran needs more. He needs to accomplish <laughs> words. You, you've had your stake. You're done, man. Like I don't need it. I could use it. So, so that at least you know. Again, we're kind of chopping words here, but but I feel like the way Fran has described his the, the dichotomy between satisfying him, his his sense of I guess contentment versus just wanting to to achieve more he needs that drive yeah i think you're, you're on a very very steep hedonic treadmill dude <laughs> <laughs> well i, I think okay. it might relate back to to, to the concept of,
2: of time right so any point in time you might feel satisfied but then the next moment does that mean that previous second minute hour day week did that carry over to the next one right it, it doesn't it doesn't mean it right so so like uh, if that's the case then i don't think anybody could ever be satisfied <laughs> right? yeah well so, you know so, some,
1: like 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 Warren Buffett said if someone has low expectations you're, <laughs> you're you be satisfied. Uh, but let's move along now is there an expectation to always be happy do you always have to be happy or actually need to be happy and let's open that up for discussion
2: Yeah, I I don't think you have to, right? So in in my world, um, folks are often driven to, well, when I land that job, when I get that promotion, when I meet that person, when I reach a certain income, when I get that title or whatever, then I'll be happy. But they ultimately get whatever it is. And they're pretty much where they were before, right? But just uh, at a higher level, uh, a pay scale or, or a different car or whatever it is. Uh, and and they're, they're maybe whatever, having pleasure or happy, whatever word that we wanna put on it uh, for a moment, but then uh, they, they still have problems, right? Um, so I think we still wanna grow, we still wanna get better, but to have this uh, illusion that at some point we're always gonna be 100% happy, I I, I don't think so. Now, would it be kind of a 50-50 or an 80-20, that sort of mix? I'm not sure. As long as you're probably happier kind of 50% of the time. I think that's probably a good number it could you could you do 60 70 80 that would be a better number but hopefully you're not like the only 40 30 20 happy well unless you're on that genetic disposition where you're more more negative then well maybe that's beyond your control uh but but yeah i don't think it's a it's a expectation that you should be uh constantly happy um, but, I mean, you probably would want to optimize uh, the amount of happiness you can to whatever is achievable within kind of your particular context.
1: Yeah, and I think being happy 100% of the time is probably not the way to go because then you always feeling that 100% happiness that you don't really have any other emotions to compare yourself to. And I think as human beings, being able to feel happy, sadness you know, stress and unhappiness and being able to grow through those situations, I think really helps. So I think being happy, you know, all the time is not necessary, because I think it's also through the other emotions is where we can kind of grow as people and learn from one another through these kinds of emotions. So I think, yeah, 50-50 is probably already decent, you know, where you're 50% happy of the time and the other 50%, whether it's neutral or or slightly neg- negative or some other types of emotions and of course i can't speak to someone who may be having uh, you know depression that's a little bit of a different mm-hmm. story where if you have a bit of a mental uh situation where you have to deal with things that tend to be out of your control and you're feeling like you're perhaps in a downward spiral then i think there's definitely ways that you can try to find help to come out of that uh, situation so that you can find some happiness but yeah in general i think everybody can just really be themselves and not look at other people and say oh those those that couple or that those guys and girls are so happy all the time and i have to be like them and i don't think that's necessarily the case yeah and i yeah, find I, that
2: the people who are like 100 percent happy are pretty much like the, the drug addicts but the, the problem is you can't really sustain that right because <laughs> that that's uh and Pick your drug, whatever that may be. Could it, it could actually be some sort of narcotic or whatever. But if your goal is to be 100% happy, then you shoot up whatever or smoke whatever you want. But again, that, that's not necessarily the the right type of happiness that, that that you'd want, right?
0: Yeah, I think, Fran, you make a great point about, I mean, again, we're talking about, I guess, people who are quote-unquote neuronormal uh, to have happy uh, as a default emotion 100% of the time or even 99% of the time is pretty insane because then you can't empathize with other people if you can't experience other emotions so imagine that it's just it would be so strange so yeah is it 50 50 i I would hope that it's more than 50 but yeah it's we should be able to experience the full range of of human emotion so so where would you put something
2: like uh, gratitude uh, on your range of happiness and and all that sort of stuff because i find that uh, for for those who um, are kind of dealing with kind of mindset depression or whatever uh, challenges, uh, kind of the negativity biases and stuff like that, that gratitude often goes a long way in terms of alleviating a lot of those uh, things. So so to your uh, points about like, well, uh, can can I always look at something on on the bright side and, and 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 in a happy way? Well, oftentimes to to be grateful of something that happened to say, well, um, I don't know, someone just just passed away, right? Uh, and, and well, I'm so thankful that I had whatever if if it was your 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 father, mother, your brother, sister, your 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 son, your daughter, that sort of thing, right? I'm so thankful that I ha- I still have mine or don't have mine or had time with mine, right? And oftentimes that can alleviate some of that that negativity. So, I don't know what your what are your thoughts on on
0: where does gratitude sit on the on all of this? Yeah, that to me sounds more like a booster shot to happiness, you know. <laughs> uh, cuz it it promotes a positive way of thinking. So so that's that's how i I would probably think about it,
1: yeah, and I agree with that. I think being able to have mm-hmm. show show gratitude to not only you know the, the yourself but also the people around you, I think helps you maintain that positive attitude so that it does bring about a level of the satisfaction slash happiness in that, yeah, you look around and say, "Hey, you know what? I am very lucky to be able to." say in a very positive relationship, have great relationship with my friends and family, have, you know, great work colleagues or have a great job or whatever it is and be able to be happy with what you have and have that gratitude is i think something that will definitely create probably a, a more sustainable lasting happiness to the level of joy I would say, um, but who knows? I think everybody works differently in terms of how they treat joy and happiness and contentment and even gratitude that it's, it's, it's such a, this has been such an interesting topic. So I think definitely a bit mind blowing for me. So what
2: makes you guys happy? Like when was the last time you were kind of happy, joyous, contented, like the- bliss whatever like all these things kind of that highest level that that you would be able to put whatever that that scale that number like when was that kind of
0: peak happiness that that you can think of or, or if you're willing to share the most recent experience is actually pretty pretty pedestrian you know i went fruit picking like last week or two weeks ago and eating like the fresh i don't know like fresh blackberries that that were like that we picked <laughs> well it wasn't like sour because it was like just truly dark and it it, and I was taught to pick it when it just like really just pulls easily from, from the, from the stem. And it, that just made me super happy. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I've never picked blackberries before and I've done a good job. And this this farm offers some really good quality produce, <laughs> like it's very simple, but it just triggered a whole sets, a whole set of, I guess, check boxes for that's me. Very that cool. me well, what that's kinda, very what that's cool. Happy. What kind of happiness is that
1: for you though? Was that contentment, joy?
0: Maybe, Fran. It's like you know, low expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it's not a intense kind of sudden. Well, you know, it, it could have a slight spike because it, it's a new experience, and it it made me feel very, uh, very grateful to have this experience, even though it's a very simple agrarian experience. But uh, yeah, I would say it's it tends towards the uh, the satisfied hmm. slash contentment spectrum.
1: That's cool. Yeah, I think for me, like the last time that I can recall being quite happy and and joyful was when we were doing our our trip to Egypt a couple of years ago, where being able to finally experience, you know, seeing the the pyramids of Giza, hmm. and then we were in Jordan going through Petra and just being explorers. In the world i think it's what drives a lot of my own happiness and my own joy because i feel like if i'm just sitting in one place the same place and and not being able to see the world that is so big out there that makes me unhappy <laughs> so being able to be out there and finally seeing and experiencing and being part of a, a totally different environment a totally different world that we're in experiencing the culture the food uh the locals um, the markets, like the, the great, the world wonders. I mean, that to me was probably something that's not only memorable, but brought happiness, brought joy. And which is why we keep seeking this out, because I think that's goes back to our bucket list conversation where I want to hit all these wonders of the world. I want to tra- live and travel to different places. I think that ultimately is what gives me that, uh, joy and happiness. It sounds
0: like an energizing experience overall. Mm-hmm. How, how about you, Luki? Well, the the two
2: instances that came to mind is like one was just happened recently, but uh, we're uh, well, I, I, last week I was staying at my parents' place because we're doing some construction in my house, right? So, and and my kids were there and and were sleeping, and uh, yeah, so we're going to bed, and they kind of like snuggled up close and like good night, daddy, and and they gave me a hug, and that was like pleasure, bliss, contentment, like all of that wrapped up where like well, oh, these are my kids, and it's just kind of this moment that we're here together and uh, able to in- enjoy, right? And. Uh, it, it happens pr- pretty often when, when that sort of thing, when uh, like, it's, it's just a nice relaxing day, and you're able to kind of settle down and, and have a moment with the kids. That was definitely one uh, recent one. Uh, and, and then the, the other one that comes to mind is um, when, uh, well, I, I wrote a book, and, and, and I had the first copy of it in my hand. And I actually mm-hmm. remember sitting there for like, it's probably minutes. So people were probably looking at me like, what the hell is this guy doing? He's just looking at a book for like, <laughs> I, I was probably there for like 15, 20 minutes, just standing there looking at the book, right? And I, I wasn't flipping through it. I wasn't doing it. I was just looking at the cover. <laughs> you cupboard. were in a I, trance. I was in a bit of a trance and I was like, <laughs> wow, I just wrote a book. And and it kind of sat uh, w- with me there. And it was just like, I never thought I'd do that in, in the past. I had no inclinations of being an author or whatever. And then it was kind of like, uh, I, I remember breaking out of that trance or whatever, and it's kind of like, "Damn, like what else could I do?" <laughs> right <laughs> now that I wrote wrote this book, so that was uh, one of those. Um, I don't know, is, is that contentment and satisfied? So that's why I kind of asked the question about, "Can you be satisfied?" Because I was truly content and satisfied at that moment, but I then I realized I could do more. <laughs> I could do something else, right? So that what uh, was that moment, and and I felt uh, happiness at at that time.
1: No, as you should. That that was a proud yeah. moment, I'm sure. Well, thank you guys. It's been amazing talking about happiness and what makes us happy and whether we need to be happy all the time. So great conversations for for this podcast. So yeah, let's let's sign off for now and hopefully we have something more interesting to talk about next episode. See you all later. Stay happy. (laughs) That wraps up another episode of 40 Going On 18.
0: We would love to hear what you think leave us your comments on our Instagram at 40 on 18 podcast or become a patron.
2: Links are available on our Instagram page. Thanks and have a great day.